0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. As always, I'm excited to be here, and today's episode topic is something that I have been loving over the past couple of weeks, and it's really been a topic that's piqued my interest. And yes, per the episode title, that is clean beauty. And I'm sure most of you, or many of you, have heard this term before, but I really had never taken the time to examine exactly what this industry entails, and I found a lot of shocking information and a lot of things that we can do to protect our health and really just to make the best decisions for not only our health, but, you know, to maintain the best version of ourselves, which is ultimately what this podcast is about. And yes, while a lot of that falls under the umbrella of self-development and personal improvement or self-help or whatever you want to call that term, how we look on the outside is part of how we feel. So I feel like this is a really, really, really interesting topic and I think I always had the misconception that clean beauty only meant, you know, the cosmetics and that's really not true. Clean beauty is about everything from, yes, your foundation or your mascara, but all the way to your hand soap, to your deodorant, to your shampoo and your conditioner that you may be using in the shower. And there are a lot of laws and ingredients and things that I've been researching lately that have really just kept piquing my interest as I dive down this rabbit hole into the whole beauty and cosmetic space. And I'm really just excited to share about what I've learned, what I'm doing, if there's any shifts that I'm making, and just really providing some facts after I just wrote this super long research paper on it for my English composition class, and I've watched some documentaries recently, listened to some podcast episodes, and overall I think that this information really just needs to be shared and relayed in a really thoughtful, authentic, and honest way, and I'm excited to dive into that today. So. Before I kick off today's episode, I always just want to start off every episode with a little bit of what I've been up to and some gratitude. And if you're somebody who just wants to get right into the gold nugget of the episode and get right down to the nitty gritty, I will timestamp where that starts. So if you want to skip ahead, which will likely be just a couple of minutes, I will put that in the show notes for you and I'll see you over there then further in the episode. But for right now, I just want to kind of set the tone about where I'm at and what I'm going to be doing so but before I dive into that I just wanted to set the tone of where I'm sitting so I really love the space that I'm in right now and it's pretty fun because above my family's garage we have this carriage house and actually I'm not sure if that's an American thing because I haven't seen this in any other countries that I've traveled to, but what a carriage house pretty much is, is it's almost like a mini apartment above your garage. So there's just this one room above our garage and there's a bed in it, there's a bathroom, there's a mini kitchenette. It's almost like, yeah, I feel like it would be an apartment, so to speak. And there's this really beautiful light coming in. It's about 6 o'clock my time at night, so I'm winding down for the day. I just took this beautiful walk with my mom earlier and we saw a ton of wildlife, we saw the most adorable, sweet baby deer, and actually the coolest cicada ever. And cicadas, I mean, I don't know, I always hear them but I feel like I never see them and there were just a lot of different wildlife encounters today and it was another beautiful day in Florida a little bit of rain, but I was really grateful that I got to get out for a walk in nature, which is something that I've been trying to do a lot more of. And yeah, just for this past week, I feel like especially, and honestly, you know, just for the past year or so, I feel like it's just really important to note that as somebody who's very highly sensitive to energy and other people and really just what's going on in the world at large just please know that the energy right now in this world is very intense and that everything will be okay. And I feel like that just needs to be vocalized a little bit more because yes, there is a lot going on right now. And, you know, in so many different countries and in so many different levels of, you know, just emotional and then things that are actually in our physical world, there's just a lot going on. And for me, just know that that's going to get better and that sometimes for things to get better, they have to get worse, and that way we can really acknowledge a problem and fix it. So I did want to say that, and on that same note of there being a lot going on, and I tend to pick up on other people's energy and emotions, and overall, I'm just very sensitive to that. So what I've been doing this past week for a couple of times is, like I mentioned earlier, just really focusing on getting out in nature and walking, And while I do usually love listening to music or a podcast, you can still totally do that if that's your jam or if you want to run or do whatever that practice is, whether it's journaling or meditation, but I really encourage you just for this week or whenever you feel overwhelmed, just really get out, move your body, whether that's a walk, you don't have to be doing something super actively intense, but just getting out in nature and clearing my head and really just getting off of my phone and not constantly intaking information has been very helpful to me and that's a whole nother conversation that I want to get into in some future episodes about this constant information that we're exposed to with you know everything from social media to podcasts and information is so great I am not you know dissing that in any way but really just making sure that we have time to tune into ourselves and our emotions and how we're personally feeling that day since that's very important. And I know I sometimes tend to, you know, not prioritize that as much as I should be. So just have your practice and I really encourage you, this is your sign, just to go and do some self-care this week. Give yourself some permission to put down the work or whatever else you may have prioritized before. You know getting a little bit of exercise in or maybe that's a meditation practice in the morning and just really just try and stick to that because it will really completely change the whole way that you're going to perceive your day when you really just give yourself that time so that was a little a bit of an introduction i'm still figuring out exactly what i want to do with this intro time in the beginning and I don't want to make it like a 20-minute intro by any means, but I feel like just a little checkup in the beginning, um, a little bit of a more chatty part is always fun to listen to just to check in, and yeah, I don't know, I'll keep brainstorming. If anybody has any fun ideas about what to do, definitely shoot me a DM on Instagram, and just a reminder, the Instagram is up and running, and that is at the Sunshine Signal. So, yeah, let's just dive right into today's episode. And again, I just want to reiterate before I jump back in, is that clean beauty applies to everybody. And I want to kick us off with this statistic that I actually put at the beginning of my paper because it was so impactful. And every day, American women are exposed to an average of 168 toxic chemicals. And I just want to let that sink in. Think about all the products you use and maybe you don't even use that many because I believe in this study that I took that statistic from, these women maybe were only using um, like 12 or so products and you might feel like whoa 12 products? I don't use 12 products but if you think about everything in your shower from your shampoo to your conditioner to your body soap, uh, maybe you have a face wash and then you know, that's already a couple of things in the shower and then there are other products like mascara or foundation or concealer and, you know, maybe you do some eyeshadow or some lip gloss or some chapstick. These are all products that fall under this umbrella of beauty and 168 toxic chemicals a day, that was just mind-blowing to me and it's a rather scary statistic but no worries, we don't need to be afraid of anything, but we are going to really just learn in today's episode what needs to be done legally just to make the whole beauty market as a whole lot safer because right now a lot of consumers were unaware or maybe just didn't know to the degree of which the FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration, and really the government at large has pretty much no regulation over the cosmetics industry. And I'm going to dive into those details a little bit further on in the episode, but it really is a wild west out there. These beauty corporations pretty much have complete freedom to put whatever ingredients they want in these products with very few exceptions. And something that was really interesting to me is that every ingredient or chemical that goes into, say, a thing of mascara, Every chemical is treated as innocent until proven guilty. Instead of actually testing that ingredient for short-term and long-term effects on health before using it, they just put it right in and then it's up to the company to see if they want to recall it, even if there are consumer complaints saying like, hey, I developed some serious skin irritation after using this product. That's completely up to the... to the company, the government has no say in whether or not that product needs to get taken off the market. So there are definitely some pretty scary, um, you know, things that aren't regulated and that's what I'm really excited to dive into today is really these regulations, what needs to be done, and then I'm going to be providing a lot of resources at the end of the episode, and then also I'm going to be likely doing a clean beauty edit. On Instagram or at least put that in the show notes of a couple of products that I use that I checked all the ingredients I know that they're safe they are good to use and then those are a couple of products that maybe you will want to slowly switch out over time or maybe just dump your entire beauty bag if you feel inspired to after today's episode. So as I was saying The beauty industry is really left to its own devices to determine which products are quote-unquote safe to be put on the market with very little oversight from a government program like the Food and Drug Administration. And while this seems really obvious to me that something should be changed, um, maybe not necessarily banned for certain chemicals, but at least properly labeled because... We'll dive into this too, but right now there's a big labeling issue where companies aren't even required to put everything that's in a product on the label. So even if you're trying to be proactive and say, okay, I need to avoid ingredients A, B, and C, even if you're trying to be proactive and you know all of this information and you're trying to be clean and sustainable, you really can't do that to a certain degree if you don't know what's in the product. So there's another issue there. But really just the other side of this that some people worry about, I guess, is that if more sustainable products are introduced, then theoretically those things come with a higher price, right? So if these companies are using these cheap chemicals, then they can keep their profits high while selling products at affordable prices. So some people have this stigma that if we change out some of the ingredients to something more sustainable and thus more organic and likely you know, will cost more than if it's something that's organic rather than synthetic, that these prices might rise. So that's just kind of the counter argument to this and it's I'm really important to dive into some of the chemical formulas of these cosmetic products to see what really is a quote unquote toxic chemical. And just to give a couple of examples to show you what these health concerns entail. So, while not all chemicals used in cosmetic products pose a high risk, I do have to put that out there, um, it's not, I'm not saying that every single chemical in every single beauty product has a potential risk of hurting you, because, but with cost and safety to consider, just really should toxic chemicals used in beauty and personal care products be further regulated or even banned in the United States was something that I was really interested in researching and finding the answer to. So before we dive into kind of the legislation, what should be done, what we should be looking for, I really wanted to talk about the chemical formulas and some of the chemicals that are used in these products because i think it's really important to give a couple of examples of exactly what a toxic chemical is however since 2009 there have been over 85 chemicals identified in more than 70,000 products that pose serious health concerns and by serious health concerns i mean this can be everything from cancer to infertility to birth defects so it's not just like oh, like my face got a little bit, um, you know, maybe it was stingy after you put a product on, or maybe your skin broke out in a slight rash. These are pretty severe side effects. So to paint an even clearer picture, one study discovered that approximately one in eight chemicals used in these personal care products are industrial chemicals. And an industrial chemical is a chemical that's derived from pesticides carcinogens and carcinogens are chemicals that induce genetic mutations and they're linked to cancer because when your genetic code mutates then that can lead to cancerous cells and thus cancer in the body as well as hormone disruptors and reproductive toxins and one of the most commonly used chemicals that you may have heard people trying to ban before or say don't like don't purchase products that has this in it is formaldehyde, which is a type of carcinogen. And formaldehyde is linked to skin irritation, asthma, neurotoxicity, and also contact dermatitis, which is a rash that's similar to one that you get if you brushed up against some poison ivy. And it can actually become chronic if you keep on applying these products. And then another interesting study that the University of Notre Dame just conducted is that something called PFAS, which is P-F-A-S, which stands for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, was found in 52% of all 200 cosmetic products they tested, most commonly in those marketed as water-resistant or waterproof. So... Definitely go and check your mascara, I know is a big one, and sometimes I know they have it in foundation as well, really mostly just eye products that I've seen it in, but definitely go and check those labels because if it has PFAS in it, these long-term effects may be really disastrous. So the CDC recently discovered a variety of health concerns linked to PFAS, and This, again, can range from very serious conditions such as cancer to liver damage and even infertility. And there still needs to be a lot of more research conducted on PFAS and, you know, these other chemicals, but still we should avoid these ingredients out of caution until more definitive research is conducted because I know for me personally, if there was an ingredient that I could very easily avoid that may benefit my health. If I choose not to apply that, I would definitely, you know, stay on the safe side with that. So something else that I wanted to touch on that was crazy to me is that parabens are another common preservative and something that really isn't great that you want to try and avoid in your products. And Again, I'm really going to try and sum this all up in an Instagram post or maybe even in the show notes after this episode of a couple of things and ingredients to avoid since I know it does get very confusing about, wait, was it this substance that I was supposed to avoid or this ingredient and many of these chemicals have very long formula names on the back and it can just become a real big hassle when you're in the grocery store or in your drugstore, or even shopping online, and you look at the ingredient list and you're just overwhelmed because you don't know what more than half of the ingredients are. So I feel you there. And back to this note of parabens that are a preservative. And parabens are often found in the fragrance of a product. And honestly, I mean, the fragrance of a product is pretty important, right? Because I'm sure everybody's had a moment where they put something on and they're just like, oh my goodness, this smells great. Or maybe even had an incident with a product where it smelled terrible and you're like, oh my gosh, I seriously can't use that anymore. However, the issue here with parabens being a common preservative, which are often found in the fragrance, is that pretty much what happens is that parabens are often found under the alias of fragrance or parfum, which I'm sure you've seen on the back of an ingredient list as well. And... This is another instance of if you're trying to avoid parabens, parabens aren't required to be labeled because in the beauty industry, signature scents are seen as industry secrets. And there's this very big, I don't know, almost like not necessarily an issue, but it's very competitive between different beauty companies about having their signature scent. And it's very proprietary and very secret, so they don't want to share it with anybody else. And because of that, they currently don't have to list anything that they're putting in their fragrance on the back of the label, except for literally fragrance. That's all they have to put. And even if you're trying to go the safe route and be like, okay, I'll just avoid fragrance altogether. The FDA literally states on their website that even some products labeled as unscented may contain fragrance ingredients. So the big question is how do we define a safe product when toxic chemicals are present Unbeknownst to most of us, in thousands of products on the market today. And I do want to note that there are some current regulations in place that their goal is to try and protect these consumers from potentially hazardous chemicals. However, these procedures definitely need some updating because pretty much what happens is that there will be a chemical screening for a particular chemical, except This screening and this lab work done by all these scientists, they only test for for short-term effects, so that would, again, be something like skin irritation or maybe redness after applying or maybe some um, tingliness or small side effects like that that you'd feel right away after you apply it, but again, wouldn't be a long-term health risk like developing cancer or having some mental fogginess or perhaps inducing some allergies or things like that. So again, these are kind of fruitless, honestly. And since these tests only measure a chemical short-term effects, and this is a whole another topic, but it's terrible because some of these tests, unfortunately, are conducted on animals. So always look for that little cruelty-free sticker. Um, I believe it's a little bunny, I think it is, on products, but a lot of products will note cruelty-free now. So That's a whole other episode topic, but again, just another little easy thing to check for when you're buying a product is cruelty-free, because that's really very, very, very unfair to the animals that they are having to be suffering through these tests in labs for products that aren't even meant for them. But since these tests only measure a chemical's short-term effects, even if a chemical doesn't invoke a minor reaction or say that it's insignificant enough, for them to not be able to use that chemical and say that it's dangerous, they can still use this chemical even if it causes consumers long-term health concerns. So I was talking about this a little bit earlier in the episode, but But all chemicals are innocent until proven guilty, in a sense, because unless there are, you know, X amount of numbers of complaints and recalls, then the company, for their own sake, would probably take that product off the market. But it's a really backward system where instead of making sure that the chemical's safe before they use it, they pretty much send it out to let the human population be guinea pigs, so to speak. And then, you know, if there's some damage, then they'll maybe recall it so for a product to be safe it really shouldn't contain any substances that harm one's physical state in the short or long term at all and i think this is really similar to the concept of nutrition facts and because that's so widespread and mandatory in the us i'm surprised that the same concept hasn't carried over to the beauty space but the bottom line is consumers deserve the right to know the ingredients in the products they purchase And also something else that I feel like is really important to touch on is the FDA itself and kind of diving more into this legislation. And don't worry, I will break this down into very simple terms. We don't need to go super deep into every single clause and amendment in this space. But the FDA, their expertise and really what they control in America is food and drug safety however the question here is if they should be allowed to regulate cosmetics and if they should take a larger stance on the issue or if we should have another third party regulating this um, whether that's a part of the government or not there are a lot of questions up in the air that even i don't have an answer to but i'm just going to provide the information the facts and i think it's really interesting just to see where all this information sits with you And again, it's completely up to you if you feel like this is an issue, if you wanna make a change. Not everybody is going to be pro clean beauty. And even if it's just a couple of products that you're like, hey, maybe I just wanna switch out my makeup, but I really love my shampoo. Just make those personal decisions for yourself. And I think that's just really the most important thing is that we're all educated on what we're putting onto our body. So back to this idea of the credibility of the FDA. Compared to other nations around the globe, like the European Union and Canada, the US, which is led by the FDA in a sense in terms of the beauty industry, is still very, very, very far behind. So out of thousands of chemicals used in this personal care product industry, the FDA has banned only 11 compared to more than 1,300 banned in the European Union and all of these that have been banned in the EU have been linked to cancer, genetic mutation, birth defects, reproductive harm, all of these pretty severe side effects, and, you know, we may have hoped that our government would be looking out for our best interests, but with more than 1,300 known toxic chemicals remaining on the store shelves, it seems this might not be the case, unfortunately, and A lot of people have different hunches about why this might not be the case, of why they're not looking out for our best interests, and unfortunately, some people believe that it's a money thing. So, for instance, the founder of RMS Beauty, and I'm actually going to recommend her documentary called Toxic Beauty, which won an award in 2019, which is the year it was produced, And I'm just going to go on a little side note here, but I watched Toxic Beauty last week and I think it was a really great documentary, especially if you don't know a lot about the beauty space. There was some redundancy since I've done some research before this for me, but if you're really interested in learning more about this space and they really focus on the Johnson and Johnson talc powder um, kind of incident and what happened and how all of these women developed cancer and all of these lawsuits against Johnson & Johnson, so if you're particularly interested in hearing more about that story in particular and then the beauty industry at large, you can definitely go and check that out. I know that it's available on Amazon Prime and it's available to rent for like $4 and, you know, not sponsored in any way, but I thought that was a really interesting documentary and it definitely provided me a bigger picture of, you know, especially the whole talc powder incident which is in baby powder which is what I'm referring to but just the whole beauty industry as a whole it was really eye-opening and the woman who produced this is the founder of RMS Beauty and her name is Rosemary Swift and she has a really interesting viewpoint on everything that's going on here and she really deeply investigated the whole beauty and personal care space because she was a makeup artist and yes well, she obviously did love beauty because it was her job she ended up suffering from these really sudden panic attacks this terribly irritated skin memory loss and hormone imbalances and all of this was because of her exposure to cosmetics and toxic cosmetics at that and this really unfortunate experience with her health led her to further examine this beauty industry and just everything about the documentary was very eye-opening. And one of her favorite, one of my favorite quotes that she said was, they said from the beginning, cigarette smoke was safe. Mercury was safe back in the day. Arsenic was safe. When there's money involved, of course people are going to say it's safe. So she believes that this is more of a, not necessarily FDA related, but the beauty Industry companies are, of course, going to say that something is safe. Again, this isn't everybody. We'd hope that people would have, you know, utmost integrity when they're producing products that we put directly onto our bodies, but I'm sure that definitely does happen in some cases, and the beauty industry, I believe, is now valued at over $445 billion, which is crazy, so with that much money involved, I'm sure that there are some companies saying that certain things are safe maybe when they haven't done the proper testing or even know something, but just value profit above safety. So we're returning to this whole idea of the food and drug administration, which is the FDA. It's important to note that they really don't have much power over the beauty industry at all. And I said earlier that this is kind of the wild west and that these beauty companies, they really have utmost freedom in producing their products. So, I listened to this really interesting podcast on the Clean Beauty School podcast, which I'd also recommend checking out if you're interested in the clean beauty space. There are a lot of really great interviews, and it's also like a sister brand of Mind Body Green, which I'm sure some of you have heard about, another really great health related podcast. But I was listening to an episode of Clean Beauty School with. Mel- Melanie Benish, and she is a legislative attorney at the EWG, which is short for the Environmental Working Group, and they're very involved in sustainability and especially clean and sustainable beauty. And her position on the FDA, and really, she really, really, really explained well about how much power they have legally, and I thought that that was a really great perspective. So I will link that in the show notes, but Summarizing what she said is that in the United States, cosmetic legislation lies under the Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act of 1938. And this is a super long act that is 800 plus pages and has all these different regulations and things you must follow for, you know, everything from pharmaceuticals to things in the grocery store and cosmetics. And everything has been updated in the past 83 years cosmetic section. And this cosmetic section only spans a page and a half. And what this says is it briefly mandates that cosmetics cannot be contaminated with bacteria and ingredients that are known detriments to health. So that's really all it says in its whole one page and a half is that it can't be contaminated with bacteria so it can't give you an eye infection or skin infection. And ingredients that are known detriments to human health, you can't include those. So that's a very blurry line here, but pretty much what that statement means is that unless it's an outright poison, so something like, I don't know, arsenic, I believe you're not allowed to put in beauty products. Actually, mercury, to my knowledge, is still used in some products today, which is very unfortunate, but unless it's a commonly known poison to human health, you can still use whatever you want in your products. So, Benish believes that the FDA isn't stepping up to regulate this, and there have been some attempts by certain senators from different states, I believe California and Maine, to try and pass new legislation to give the FDA more control. They haven't gone through yet, surprisingly enough, and she believes that the bottom line is that the FDA doesn't have the proper funding from the government to test the safety of these chemicals, and that really the FDA doesn't have the faith that they can successfully meet the high standards of the current legislation and again this current legislation states chemicals can only be adulterated if they are blatantly deleterious poisonous to one's health. So I found that that was really interesting just to give us a better legal view of really that the FDA doesn't have much power. There should really be some change and again toxic beauty there was a really interesting study by um, Mimi Nguyen yes and she was again very young I believe she was 22 when she filmed this documentary and she did some tests on herself and had some very high levels of toxic chemicals and again if you want to like see her whole story since she is a really good example of just an average you know college student young woman who's using, you know, the average amount of beauty products per day and how she had some really dangerous levels of ethyl phthalate levels higher than 95% of Americans. And that is a chemical linked to reproductive harm, cancer, and developmental concerns. So if you're interested in, again, watching Toxic Beauty, I think that that's a really great documentary to start or even just to continue your interest in the beauty space. And one last thing that I want to touch on before I wrap up today's episode is that it's really unfortunate that the beauty industry is so perpetuated by societal constructs. And I can say this as a teenager, as a young woman, that I feel like it's very, very, very unfortunate when Some people, and I feel like society just kind of has this idea that in order to be beautiful, you need to apply several products and that your natural beauty is not enough, which is so backwards. Your natural beauty is so enough regardless of how many products you apply, but let's just take a moment just to think about this, right? Because all of these women, especially who I learned about from the Johnson & Johnson lawsuit, from baby powder and applying all of these products that they just want to put on to make themselves feel beautiful and so that way others perceive them and what they think is going to be a beautiful light, even though people, I think we all are more worried about what people think to some degree, but people really don't, you know, care about if we put mascara on or if we did not but it's so perpetuated by society and just really, I know that Mimi Naguyan she was saying that you know, her mom always told her growing up, like, you need to put on sunscreen and all these products so that way people view you to be pretty and because your appearance matters. And yes, I mean, you don't want to maybe just go somewhere wearing your pajamas, not brushing your hair, or your teeth. You know, there's personal hygiene involved. But it's just really unfortunate in my eyes still that all these products feel like they're needed when they're really not and it's a choice. And I mean, I am somebody who, I do like me some good mascara. I do like a little bit of cover-up if there's an acne breakout, and there is an occasion where I will like to put a little bit of lip gloss on, and that's completely okay. I am not by any means saying, let's just, you know, ditch beauty into the sunset, the cosmetic industry needs to die. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's a lot of room for improvement, and that, I know that it can be pretty awkward when you might be in a friend group where everybody's applying makeup or maybe they're wearing makeup every day or the fake eyelashes. And I know a big thing was the acrylic nails where everybody was getting their nails done. And again, that's a whole other thing for your nail health, but there can be a lot of pressure to feel like if you're the only one not putting makeup on, then maybe you just feel like left out or just strange if you're not wearing what everybody else is. And I personally haven't had to face that with my friend group since a lot of my friends don't even like makeup. But if you are feeling that, just know that you completely have permission to do whatever you want. For me, I found my happy medium was just, if I'm going to school or going to work, I really like to put on some mascara since my eyelashes are naturally pretty light and occasionally some cover up if I need it. And that makes me feel, you know, good. I like that. It's not too much. I don't have to worry about taking my makeup off every night. I can just wash it with my face and it's pretty easy. So just work on finding your happy medium. I know I name-dropped quite a few resources throughout the episode, so I just wanted to take a moment to reiterate those. The first one is a documentary called Toxic Beauty, and I personally watch this on Amazon Prime where I know that you can rent it and buy it. And then I also referenced something called the Clean Beauty School podcast, and I'll link the specific episode that I listened to, which really regards a lot of the legislation surrounding the beauty products in the United States, and that was by Melanie Benish, who is a legislative attorney at the Environmental Working Group, and they do a lot of work surrounding clean beauty and sustainability as a whole in regards to not only our bodies and our health but also the environment and speaking of the environmental working group they have something really amazing called the skin deep database so if you look up ewg or environmental working group skin deep and you google that you'll come up with a web page where you can search any cosmetics brand, any product. So I ended up searching through my most used beauty product. And then if you click, if you just search that product, it will go through all the ingredients. It'll give it a rating as a product and it'll explain which ingredients are the most hazardous and why that is. So that's again, EWG's Skin Deep database. And those are the three resources that I'd highly recommend. Hey everyone, Haley here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did and I think that the clean beauty space is such an interesting rabbit hole to explore and I hope that something in today's episode maybe sparked a little bit of curiosity or inspired you to change or even just go back in your beauty bag and see what you're really applying to your skin. Today's episode is coming out on a Tuesday, which is a little bit later than the usual Sunday release date, and if you can hear the waves in the background, that's because I am currently in Mexico, and I've had such an amazing time here. I'm here for about a week, and the experiences that I've had thus far have been very enlightening. I'm learning so much about myself, and just the entire scenery and place that I'm at is so beautiful The people are so humble and kind. And overall, I'm really hoping just to reflect on that experience and hopefully come out with maybe a little bonus episode in the weeks to come. So thank you for tuning in. Just a reminder that the Instagram is up and running at The Sunshine Signal. There are lots of new updates only posted on social media that I always don't get the time to cover in the podcast. So if you're still excited about clean beauty, I'm going to be doing a clean beauty post coming up later this week about some products that you should be using. I've been trying out a ton of sustainable and natural sunscreen products because I'm here in sunny Mexico and I don't want to get sunburnt either, so that'll be coming on the Instagram and thank you again for tuning in. Have a wonderful week and I will see you back on the pod very soon.